Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we will recap the early signees for Florida in their 2020 class. The Gators end up with 21, all of them commits, who signed on the dotted line and made it official. But it wasn't all good news for the Gators as they missed on their targets who decided Wednesday. So I'll recap those results and where Florida's 2020 class stands right now with Jordan Kruger from the Lake City Reporter. Here is our conversation Thursday. And now recruiting is on a break. Yeah, we're going into a dead period, which is good. <laughs> Dan Mullen looked like he needed a break Yeah, on Wednesday because all the hours that he's been putting in with the staff, on top of preparing for a bowl game, I mean, I, I really feel for the college coaches across the country that now have to deal with this right after the season there's ends. No, I mean, there's not really offseason for college coaches, man. This, I and no, You're right, and I feel like this has now become the – National Signing Day. Like, the first Wednesday in February is now late signing day. There's no early signing day. Like, this is signing day, and what you get in February is just leftovers. Do you like having signing day in December? I think there's pros and cons. I think there's probably more pros and cons. I, I think that uh, the coaches like it, but then again, they just... If you have one of the bowl games that's, like, right after Christmas, if you're playing, like, one of those December... 26 bowls or 27 like the, bowls. Like, like the hurricanes are. Yeah, and is there <laughs> even some bowls before Christmas? Yeah, bowl games, will, I think, start this Friday. I yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's 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 a really tough ask, but I, I think, obviously, some of the more profile programs, number one, are playing a little bit later. Number two, have their class mostly secured, and that's what we saw from Florida on Wednesday. They signed 21 guys. All 21 were committed going into the day. They had some targets that were deciding on Wednesday, really kind of five that they were in contention for. They and, didn't, and they, and they missed in all five. They didn't. They didn't add any five, so that's something that we'll talk about because I have a lot of things to say about that, um, especially as it relates to the reaction from fans and and I think just folks on how Florida did in this 2020 class. They. Finish with a top 10 group, second year in a row. You can't complain when you have a top 10 group, man. Well, Looking back at where this program was like three years ago. Absolutely. If you're a Gators fan, you should not be complaining about your recruiting class. Well, and, and also when you look at how some of the other teams are doing in the state, you basically took advantage of the fact that you were state champs and that some other programs are, are going through some coaching changes, even including right here, your in-state rivals, with Mike Norvell coming on board, they finished lowest in the state. Uh, he he kind of recovered that class a little bit, though. Yeah. Uh, they finished 21, so they had a top 25 group, but just nowhere close to the class that Florida signed. Miami finishes number 18. I couldn't believe Miami was 18. <laughs> if you told Miami was going to finish 18th, I would have been. Sh- I would have told you you're crazy because the amount of kids that decommitted after they lost to FIU was astounding. And they didn't have a great day no, on they did Wednesday. No, So... They ended up with 19 commits. Well, they had 19 commits. I'm not sure how many of those But if signed. you talk to Florida State fans, they're feeling great about Wednesday based on how some of the results went, whereas you talk to some Florida fans, they're disappointed. And look, we, we, we kind of run through the class, but I just want to speak in general terms. And 
this has happened before. This happened once, I think, during the Will Muschamp era, and he kind of made this point, and I agreed with it then, and I agree with it now, and I think it always applies. Recruiting has become so big, right? There's the coverage is insane. They dedicate a whole day on ESPN. It's, to rid- it. it's ridiculous, honestly. And I mean, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how much you tune into it, if you're a recruitnik or not, if you're just a fa- football fan that likes to follow where the team is at, regardless, signing day and the recruits who make their decision right at the finish line, they have been put on this pedestal over the past decade and there's almost more value in those guys who decide than the guys who commit in the summer or the guys who commit in the fall or the guys who commit maybe even a week before signing day. Somehow the guys that decide on the first Wednesday in February or now the early signing period matter more, mean more. Uh, That's just the way it is. And it has been like that for several years and it's all perception. It is total perception. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of top targets, and then for some teams, guys that decide on that finish line, that are some of their bigger priorities. And and if that's the case, then certainly you're you're wanting to land those players. But if you're looking at it from Florida's standpoint, you signed 21 recruits. All those guys stay com- stayed committed. 16 of which were four stars. You never and, – and, 10 of which are early enrollees. Mm -hmm. You never had to worry about any of these guys flipping. You never had to worry about them visiting other schools, whereas other schools did have to deal with that, and they lost some players on Wednesday. Florida Florida wasn't sweating bullets at all. Every single commit is solid, and you might think that, okay, that's the way it should, should be, but every year it's not like that. And it is a credit when you don't have to worry about the guys that you got on the commitment list. That's number one. So you can't discount that and and take that for granted if you're a fan tuning in on Wednesday that you didn't have to worry about any of your commits right. flip-flopping. Um, and that's a credit to Dan Mullen and his staff that they got all 21 guys to ink early. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Rap to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. Now, as far as the guys that did not join the class for Florida on Wednesday. Probably the most notable, E.J. Smith. Emmett Smith's son, he makes the decision to not go to Florida. He goes to Stanford, which is kind of a, I don't want to say surprise, but a lot of people had him pegged to Texas A&M, including Graham and I. And he, he went with Stanford, but most analysts and people that followed his recruitment and knew kind of the inner workings of it were not expecting him to join the Gators. No. And if you paid attention to kind of some of his comments and what some folks said, he did not want to follow in the footsteps of his father. You can't and you blame, can't him, for blame that. him. No, not at all. And Emmett Smith made some great comments after he made the decision. He put on the Gator hat. He showed some love to his alma mater, but he also supported his son. I thought it was really cool. And, and I don't know if Florida fans are necessarily mad about that decision. They're just mad about the fact that the Gators, one, haven't signed a running back, haven't landed a running back yet, and now two years in a row – They've gotten a five-star – There was. there's been a five-star recruit in the state that they were in contention for and didn't land. Didn't Last land. year was Trey Sanders. This year was DeMarcus Bowman. And I get it. And we can talk about that more a little bit you know, in depth. But that was really one of the guys. Sam Brown, the wide receiver out of Georgia, they didn't land. Ended up not even really being a finalist for him. But he chose to go to West Virginia over 
Florida, over Georgia, over Ole Miss, over Tennessee. So, I mean, you kind of were late to the party. You got him in at the last second. He said that, you know, on Wednesday that he really didn't have the relationship with Florida, and that's kind of why he didn't go there. And I think if you get a guy that chose to go to West Virginia, that might say something about him yeah. and maybe, one, his academics, and two, where he thinks he is in terms of talent. You passed up all those SEC schools to go play for the Mountaineers. So is that a huge loss for Florida? I don't think so, but that doesn't change the fact that they still needed one or two more receivers to add to this class. It's just not like that was a priority throughout this cycle. And then last but not least, the three defensive linemen that they did not flip. Not that they did not land, Jordan, that they did not flip. These guys were already committed to other schools, and they decided to stick with their original commitments. Florida got four defensive tackles in this class, including Gervin Dexter, who I learned yesterday is actually, I was I, I was calling him Gervin, is actually Gervon. So that was something <laughs> I learned yesterday. Uh, but you're talking about a guy that's a five-star talent, 6'7", 290 pounds, had 125 tackles as a senior, and he's one of four defensive tackles, one of four four-star defensive tackles that they landed. So I don't hold it against them and David Turner, who did an awesome job in this class, that they couldn't flip two more four-star defensive tackles. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They couldn't sign six defensive tackles. That's not a knock on the Gators. No. So I mean, if I was a kid, I wouldn't want to be another fifth or sixth defensive tackle in that not. class. Yeah. So now what makes it kind of tough is that one of those guys was ended up going to Alabama and Timothy Smith. You never want to lose an out-of-state kid to the Crimson Tide. But when you sign Jervon Dexter and three other four-star defensive tackles, it's not a loss. No. Uh, and then last but not least, probably the troll of the day, Donnell Harris. He uh, trolls the Gators, puts on the, the Florida sweatshirt, takes it off, ends up going to Texas A&M. He's stuck with the Aggies. Let's give some background on that. The Gators were not after Donnell Harris until probably the final month of the recruitment. Uh, and I, I most of the time you're not getting a kid like that. You're, and I, if you're and late I, to the party. And I think that that went into the troll. I, I I think maybe he felt slighted by the Gators that they didn't kind of come after him until late, mm-hmm. and he showed some loyalty to the Aggies and decided to stick with them. And you know, it is what it is. He's going to come and play the buck position for Florida, where they are stacked at that spot. So he would have, I think out of all the guys that, that decided yesterday and, and chose not to come to Florida, he would have been the one that probably would have been the best to get. Cause you only have one defensive end committed. Uh, and he would have bolstered your rankings because of how highly rated he is. Um, but I, again, if you look at it in totality, you're talking about five and Morvin Joseph was, was a six guy, but no one had him going to Florida. I don't even know if he got a, a letter intent from the Gators. So, you're talking about five guys out of 21 who signed with the Gators, and you, Jordan, there are fans, Florida fans, that are dis- that were disappointed on Wednesday, and it just blows my mind <laughs> because I remember how much the Gators struggled in recruiting under Jim McElwain at yeah. times, and struggled in recruiting, especially on the offensive side. With Will Muschamp, and you go out and land a stud like Anthony Richardson. You go out and land a stud like Jaquavion Frazier's. You get great uh, signees on the offensive line and defensive line. You load up at DB, and you sign a five-star linebacker in Derek Wingo. Yes, you have holes uh, in the class because you don't have a running back. You need another receiver. You could probably use another defensive lineman. 
But you have a top 10 class. You signed more top 300 prospects in the state of Florida than any other school and in the country. they can still fill those holes. they got February, too. Which is what Dan And, the, tra- and said. the transfer portal also. Absolutely. But I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I just think so much stock gets put into these guys that decide on signing day and it gets drummed up and it gets jazzed up and fans got to learn to keep things in perspective about where, where, uh, how many positions are already in that class and who's already on the roster. And I mean, now you heard my whole spiel. I mean, I mean, how do you think Florida fans should feel given everything I just said? I mean, they should be happy in the top 10 class. <laughs> and you're coming from it. Coming from a Miami, Miami fan. Yeah. I mean, you would kill to have some of these guys that the Gators have committed. I'm happy with the 18, man. I can't believe it's 18. I thought they'd be below 20. So, and, and look, that's not to say that um, Dan Mullen probably wasn't disappointed with some of these res- some of these of results course. on yeah, Wednesday. Of course. And look, you could you could classify it as a disappointing day, but you can't call it a disappointing class. No, they walked out with 16 four stars, and that which yes. is pretty pretty damn good. And even though right now in the 247 rankings, it's not reflected, Jervon Dexter could end up as a five-star. And in my opinion, he is. Dan Mullen said yesterday he is in his book. And Derek Wingo is a five-star on rival. So you 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 got some talent coming in. I think the thing that you got to look for in the future uh, is making sure that even though you got more top 300 prospects from the state of Florida than anyone else, that you actually get... Within that top 300, some of those top 10, top 25, yeah, top 50 stuff. guys. And some of those guys did go to Alabama, did go to Clemson, did go to Georgia. Well, a lot of them went to Clemson. <laughs> now, yeah, now, and, it, and as a whole, you still got more than anyone else yeah. in the top 300. But it's toward the cream of the crop, which is which is where you want to start making some inroads. And and Dan Mullen would be the first person to say that. And and I think that he'll have to make sure that they, that they close strong uh, for the first Wednesday in February that they get one of these running backs that they're going after, Jamar Gibbs or Henry Parrish. Both of them are four-star prospects. Both of them are really coveted by some big programs. Maybe not on the level of a Demarcus Bowman or maybe not going to make fans as happy as, as EJ Smith would have. But if you feel that need and you make sure that you are kind of putting yourself on the same level as all the other teams – that are kind of in the college football mm-hmm. playoff contention, then you just got to get it done on the field. Uh, I, I do want to address this Greg Knox, Billy Gonzalez criticism that has come from this class. And I, I think the criticism for Greg Knox for his running back coach is a little bit more warranted just based on a couple factors. I think at the end of the day, when you're judging assistant coaches, uh, First of all, your, your head coach is going to have a lot of factors that he evaluates as to how they're doing their job. But really, it comes down to on-field production and recruiting. Mm-hmm. And if you're a coach, an assistant that's a really good recruiter, and and maybe your position group isn't getting it done on the field, maybe you can save yourself if you're just killing it on the trail and you're getting five-star guys and you're loading up at your position and you're helping other assistants land prospects. That's great. On the flip side... Maybe you're not the greatest recruiter, but you are an excellent coach and you're great with X's and O's and you're huge at development and you get the most out of your guys and they're super productive. I think that's kind of the scope of how you look at assistant coaches and the way that they should be judged. And with Greg Knox, he came in during his first year and 
he gets Damian Pierce along with the staff to stay committed. Give him props for that. Don't know how key he was and how that played out. But then his first year on the trail, 2018, they miss on some of their top targets, including five-star Trey Sanders. They land Naquan Wright, which I think was a really good prospect out of South Florida, but still not what fans were hoping for, looking for. But why I felt like Greg was fine after that first year was because in 2018, the production of the running backs. They had to end the season, I think, six games, five or six games in a row where they had over 200 yards rushing. And LaMichael P. Ryan was tearing it up. Jordan Scarlett was tearing up. So even though maybe he didn't get it done on the trail, his running backs were killing it on the field. So that, to me, kind of matters. Uh, whereas you go into this year, once again, he fails to land a five-star running back in the state. The problem is, is that the running back production also dipped up. Florida couldn't run the ball at all this year. And some of that was due to their offensive line. But at the end of the day, I think the rotation at times wasn't what it needed to be, trying to coach those guys up. He opens himself up to, I think, criticism at this point because he's if he's not getting it done on the trail and the rushing offense isn't there, you make yourself susceptible to that criticism. I think for Billy Gonzalez... Some guys definitely that he could have landed as well on the recruiting trail, but because of how productive Florida's receivers are and the fact that they had their best group this past season than they've had in over a decade, he's buying himself all the time in the world. And as long as he's going to get studs every year like a Jacob Copeland, like a Jaquavion Frazier's in this class, he's going to be all right. The thing that they have to do is just make sure that they're building depth and that their numbers are up. Right now, they have nine scholarship receivers on the roster. Dan Mullen said Wednesday that he wants to be at 10. So this this That's final six six weeks, you got to go out and land somebody. And if you have to go to the transfer portal for a wide receiver or even a running back if they don't get one of their two targets left, this staff has shown the ability that they can do that. I, I just think that to be calling for assistant coaches' jobs just based solely on recruiting is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Because that's not what they're judged on by their head coach. They're judged on on how their position group is doing and a number of other factors. Um, so I understand the criticism for Greg Knox as it relates to recruiting. Their running backs didn't have the best year. But if they rebound in 2020 and take a lot of uh, strides and he goes out and lands a top running back for 2021, I think people will maybe take a step back in some of their criticism. So uh, I think you look at it big picture, Clemson really tore it up, man. They, yeah, they had Clemson an incredible class. Six five stars, 11 four stars. Yeah, and, and obviously we're able to get the top guy on Florida's board in, in Demarcus Bowman. And I think at, at some point you, you see these guys that, that make decisions to go to Clemson and go to Alabama. Alabama, man, three five stars and 19 four stars. I mean, it's just really Clemson, Alabama and kind of, they're, they're in a tier by themselves when it comes to the recruiting. They are. Georgia had that really good year where I think either they had the number one class or they pushed for it, and they, they signed a bunch of five stars. But they, they've kind of kind of taken a step back, not at the level of they're not near Clemson, Bama yeah. and Clemson, and nor should they be. Ohio State's kind of the same way. You know, They're kind of with Georgia and, that, and LSU in that same old tier. But again, you're, but look, all top you're looking at this class as it – is on 247, and you're talking about two five-stars for Georgia, two for Ohio State, two for LSU, two for Texas A&M. Notre Dame got two. One for, no, excuse, one, excuse one me, for one Texas for A&M, one for Florida, or one for uh, Auburn, Auburn, zero for Florida. 
Now, again, we'll see where this ends Two up at the, end of, at the end of the cycle. Gervin, or Jervon Dexter is currently ranked, I think, 32 in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. When they expand their five-star ratings, it actually caps at 32. So if he stays right where he's at or even moves up. They move him to 31 31, now. he would be a five-star. So that right there is, and I mean, it's, again, it's, I think it's the fact that we even have to have, have this conversation about a guy with his measurables and his production in high school uh, is kind of silly. But Derek Wingo is another guy that maybe not end up a five star. Right, he won't end up a five star. Composite ranking. He's a solid four star. But man. Rivals has him as a five star, and he was the Gatorade national Gatorade Player of the Year in Florida. So you're getting a five star talent. Depending it, on who it, you talk to. Depending on who you talk to. But if if we're looking at where Georgia's at, where Ohio State's at, some of these other schools in the top five, Florida is right there, and I think that we saw that on the field this year yeah. that that they could go and compete with those teams. So I think big picture, while you would want to have a number one, number two class, and you'd want to have maybe a, a, a bunch of uh, surprises on signing day, I think that you should feel good if you're a Florida fan that Mullen got a group that didn't waver, that didn't jump around. They got some impact players, and even though this might not be an elite class, they got elite players at some really <laughs> big positions of need, and... Now you got to go out there and, and prove it on the field and, and kind of make up whatever talent gap that there may be from recruiting with the coaching and the development that you and your staff are capable of. And, and we've seen from this group that they, they are capable of it. And uh, now it's just got to translate to Saturdays. But I think all in all, it was a good early signing period for Florida. It could have been great if they would have got some flips, if they – would have somehow found a way to pull EJ Smith. I totally understand that decision by him to kind of want to make his own path and not follow in the footsteps of Emmett. So. Peyton Manning didn't do it with Archie. No. Peyton didn't want to go to Ole Miss because of that. He went to Tennessee. So sometimes it's just the way it goes. Do you feel better? You were mad at your mentions, I think, and you got to rant a little bit today. I did. I did get to rant. I just, when I see people like criticizing Mullen or criticizing his assistants after they signed what they signed, um, I just think that's not warranted. I think I think you do that when you are not finishing in the top twenty-five, or you're losing on everybody to your rivals, yeah. and you're or you have a bunch of commits that let's say you came into the day with twenty-some commits and three, four guys flipped, and you lost them. That that's I bad. mean that that's when you should be getting criticized right. and fingers pointed, not when you don't have any shocks, any surprises, and you put yourself in position to uh, finish with a top five class. Depending on what you can do here late, I, I think that they they get a four star running back if they get Avante Williams who decommitted from Oregon, and they can go get a wide receiver. They might put themselves in that range. But at the end of the day, it's a great class regardless of where they finish in the final ranking. Appreciate Jordan for joining me on today's show, and that'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we recapped the early signing period and some of the results from Wednesday. On tomorrow's show, we will grade the Gators 2020 class to this point and look at some of the remaining needs that they have leading into the first Wednesday in February. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day. If you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, 
Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts.